Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the show. It is breakfast on SENZ with Izzy and Ricardo. Izzy, uh, not in the home studio, but he has jetted down to Queenstown uh, and is getting ready for the New Zealand Open, which tees off on Thursday. And uh, I'd imagine, Izzy, you've got a, uh, a, what time is your tea time today? You've got a, you got a, a round lined up? Yeah, got a round after this at 10.20. Going to play around with um, Fitzy, Sean Fitzpatrick, Sam Botham, and Ella Gunson, former Black Sticks player. She's represented the females alongside Ash Barty. Um, yeah, so got around. We're just going to shoot some promotions, uh, potentially for the TAB and and some things like that. So yeah, got around today. I've come here with high hopes, low expectations. I've played. Very little golf. Mm. Um, I haven't got my clubs. I'm using my mate's clubs, and I've got Daisy's putter. Um, so if that, that can say a lot of things about <laughs> the preparation. But, hey, I went and had a practice yesterday, and I wasn't hitting it too bad. Why have you not got your clubs? Um, so I, I left my clubs in Auckland for well, last year. I was up there quite a lot, so based oh. myself out of Auckland, and... So they were there, and I started using my mate's clubs, and I was like, oh, man, these are nice. So I was hitting them really good. And then I tried to use my clubs last Monday. I went out and had a little practice for, like, four holes, and I was shanking everything, shanking it, like, full grubbers along the ground off the irons, and I was like, okay, I can't hit these anymore. So I asked my mate if I could borrow his clubs. So I've got his clubs, and um, I'm down here, and it's a beautiful, beautiful um, place. Millbrook is looking so pristine in such good condition. And, uh, you know, the vibe's starting to build. Everything's starting to build nicely. If, you, if you've been lucky enough and you've been able to, come down to to Millbrook in Queenstown and watch the New Zealand Golf Open. Um, it is a hell of experience. It's free entry too, so you can come in and enjoy it. And, and hole 18 at Millbrook is when you drive through um, the main entrance and you head, look straight ahead, there's a par 3 finishing um, 18 where they've built a grandstand around the green. But like over at the Waste Management, probably not the same kind of crowd as the Wasted Management, but um, yeah, there's a little bit of a, um, a stadium feel to the, to the finishing hole. And uh, yeah, so got here yesterday, um, caught up with John Hart, he's obviously the the manager, MD of, of the whole s- uh, setup here, had a good catch up with him, and then I was sitting outside, and I was thinking, out my room, and I'm on hole number 15 on, on the Remarkables course, and I was sitting there, and I see this bloke just walking across from next to me, and I was like, oh, who's that? Oh, it's Ricky Ponting. Oh, punter. It's old punter. 
And I just made a little noisy look back. He's oh, hey, come, mate. I was like, oh, bloody good. And then I was sitting in bed last night. I was like, there's a test match coming up this week. And we're taking on Australia. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet. But I'm going to go and chat to him today and say, can you come and put these cans on with me at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning? Right. And we'll try and get old punter on. So, yep, it's, uh, it's bloody good, mate. My favourite week of the year. Yeah, mate, superb, superb. It sounds like you're, you're like a kid at Christmas already. <laughs> I'm already in my golf gear, mate. I know, I can see, I can see. It's just, it's like, yeah. Did you sleep in it by any chance? Uh, I was thinking about it. I was absolutely thinking about I might sleep and I might have my glove on my hand and just trying to, you know, oh, man. This, they can go, I don't know, everyone loves golf. And then they emailed me last night and there's a, a launch tonight where you go and meet your pros. I already know my pro because I played with them last year. Um, and they said last night they're going to do a little competition in front of about 300 people where we hit this ball and you're in pairs. So I'm with Fitzy apparently. And you're in pairs, and one hits the the par three, and then the other one puts it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't. I'm so nervous. So I couldn't really sleep for a while, thinking I'm going to have to hit a hit a shot and cut a couple of. What, what do you want to do? Do you, do you want to drive it or do you want to putt it? <laughs> I'll be thinking about that. I I don't know. I, I think I'd go better. I can't putt, man. I can't putt, eh? So I'll probably go better with the iron. Give yeah. me a chance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah sweet. Yeah. Or, or is it like Ambrose where you both get to drive and you just take the best one? Nah, nah. Yeah. one, one sh- uh, shoots uh, from the wedge, hits the wedge, and then the other one's waiting on the green to yeah. hit the putt. Okay. Hopefully it's, a, it's on the green because there's a lot of water surrounding that green. And he could be swimming. Yeah, Fitzy. Fitzy. get his togs on. Yeah, mate. But that's what you should do. You should see if the if the clubhouse have got a, a snorkel and a and a mask, and you could just you, you just before you hit, you go go and hit your tee shot. Just give them those. Go here, mate. Just go. Just go get ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. It's a it's a it's a special week, and there's a lot of quality Kiwi golfers that are. Oh, it's actually on the putting green yesterday. And uh, I was just having a week practice, and Kazuma Kabori comes over. Kazuma Kabori has been absolutely okay. flying in Australia. And I was like, mate, can I have a loan? And he started laughing, having a little giggle. Uh, and he, yeah, pulled out his putter because he's probably the best putter on the Webex series over in Australia. He pulled out his little Scotty Cameron, and he, you know, he was just warming up. And he hit this first putt from about, I don't know, 30 feet. Bang, straight in the middle. And I was like, and he wasn't even like focusing. He was like talking at the same time. And he just hits his part and drains it. And I was like, wow, uh, yeah. when you're okay. on, you're on, aren't you? Yeah, 100% <laughs> when you're on, you're on. Now, coming up on the show today, Rob Nickel from the Players Association. More on these mouth guards that apparently are not going anywhere, is he? Mm. So, going to be good to talk to Rob about that. Uh, Ricky Swinnell. Uh, used to work uh, here, but now she's too busy uh, for us. So she was on the commentary team for uh, the Sevens World Series. A couple of finals for New Zealand yesterday. We'll get her take on where the two New Zealand teams are at. And Bruce Sharrick's going to join us for Love Racing as well. I've got a Who Am I? Speaking of golf, $100 Adidas golf voucher Ooh. up for grabs. The new Tour 360 24 from Adidas Golf is available now at adidas.co.nz. Clue number one. I'm a former All Black, and I finished my career at Leicester. Got I'm it. a former All Black, and I finished my career at Leicester. If you know who that is, double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, get yourself in that draw. All right, let's crack into it. Round one. It's triple threat. The three big questions of the day. Yesterday was the League Cup final: Liverpool versus Chelsea. Liverpool had 11 first team players unavailable. 
They finished the match. They had a whole bunch of kids on the bench, is he? They finished the match with five players under the age of 20 on the field. Uh, so, uh, and they won 1 0. Um, Gary Neville, the former England and Manchester United fullback, post match referred to Chelsea as blue billion pound bottle jobs. Um, because since Todd Bowley, the American owner, took over uh, in 2022, at the end of 2022, he has spent a billion pounds, not dollars, mm. but a billion pounds on on new players in that team. Their midfield alone, the two guys in holding midfield, over 200 million pounds for the two of those guys. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they got beaten by a bunch of kids, basically. Uh, have you ever had that sort of serve, and and did, how did you or your teams react if you if you did that get that kind of serve in the in the media? Um, can I just ask what a bottle job is? Oh, a bottle job is when you <laughs> bottled it, like you're you're like you basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. thinking it was lolly or something. Oh, like, right. Okay. No, 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 no. A bottle job is when you yeah you completely choked. Uh, that is that is outrageous. What what a call from Gary Neville, but he's not afraid of saying something. Um, oh, look, I've personally had attacks uh, in the media, and you know, from from people out there, you know, a couple of blokes on on our own station have ripped me apart and my whole family apart. So, uh, someone on the station has made my mum and dad cry. Oh, so, really, <laughs> mate? Um, yeah, look, it's all part and parcel of, of sport, and everyone has an opinion. But when it gets personal and, and things like that, it can can really hurt you. Uh, but look, look, it's yeah, I've been you know I've been ridiculed, criticised, I've been torn apart with a lot of my career, particularly in a stage where I was struggling. And from from personal, I took it personally, yeah. And it can it can overwhelm you too. Like you're not intentionally trying to. Trying to play like that, you know, you know, and when the pressure's on, you probably try a little bit too hard, and um, there could be a lot of factors to it. Like when I was in an environment where I wasn't playing too well, well, the environment. When you think back, was there any buy-in? Was everyone on the same page? Was there a men- winning mentality? Was the environment set up for you to succeed? Like, there's just so many question marks. Particularly with Chelsea, yes, they've got a whole lot of money, same as Manchester United. They've got a whole lot of money, but in the background. There's no unity and there's no buy-in, um, so I guess when you when it's a bit like that, you get a little bit individual. And I think uh, a lot of these players have a really individual mindset about how they're doing. It's not nice, but yeah, it's all part and parcel. I struggled with it, Rick Dog. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I, re- I really did. I suppose the difference here is that he's had a crack at the organisation slash the whole the team as a collective rather than one yeah. player. Yeah, is that. Unify them? Do you think? Would you if you if the coach coach uses that? Do you think? You'd hope so. You'd hope hope it does. And if it doesn't, then I don't know what's gonna um flick the switch for these these players. Like they've they've got a they've got a job and they've they've got a you know um a real responsibility for a historical club that has been around and achieved so much they have been in turmoil Chelsea like when was the last time they they won anything I can't even remember but you think of the days you know when um uh Frank Lampard was the yeah. uh Didier Dogba Drogba um you know like Fernando Torres I mean we watched when I watched him plays like the players where they were tend to they were knocking on the door of winning the EPL, winning the Champions League, but now they're not even anywhere close and they're spending all this money. So look, I think there's underlying factors why this this club is struggling. I don't know, but um 
you'd better you'd hope so that this club can find a way because it ain't the talent from what I'm seeing and then the money that they've spent. These are very very untalented individuals, but. Maybe there's just no buying. What's the coach got to do with it? Well, that's the interesting thing because they had Thomas Tuchel, who's a very good German coach in charge, when uh, Bowley took over. And Bowley wanted to buy Ronaldo from Manchester United. Yeah. And Tuchel was like, no, I don't want him. Mm. Don't want him. And uh, and after that, they basically, that, that was the end of Tuchel. He got rid of him. Um, and then he brought in Graham Potter. That didn't work and it mm. cost him a lot of money. Now he's got Pochettino who has a reputation for working really well with young players, and they have bought a lot of young players, Chelsea. Mm. Apparently, I didn't see it, but a mate of mine's a big Chelsea fan. He said Pochettino and Bowley walked past each other after the match yesterday, must have been sort of um, on the sideline or up collecting the medals, didn't even look at each other, let alone shake hands. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... so he uh, might be gone, eh? He might be gone as well. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Keep an eye on that one. All right, let's crack through. Round two. Yesterday, uh, the New Zealand Olympic Committee named the first few athletes for the Paris Olympics, including Julian David and Sarah Tetzlaff, who are speed climbers. Mm. So it's the first time speed climbing has been in the Olympics, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they've got to go up a 15-metre wall as fast as they can, which it's going to be some Spider-Man-type action. It could be quite a good watch, actually. So it got me thinking, is he, how fast do you reckon you could get up a 15-metre wall? <laughs> Mate, I was a hell of a climber. Yeah? Oh, I was a good climber. I used to climb everything at home and up the trees and my mum would come out and start screaming because I'm about 15 metres in the air with no safety <laughs> harness. Uh, so, so I was a good climber. Look, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, I, I want to attack right here. Yeah. Should we should we um, put the gumboot throw in, in the Olympics? <laughs> I reckon we should. <laughs> I reckon Gumby throw a load. It'd be a guaranteed medal. No disrespect to, to this young kid and these, these speed climbs that are going to the Olympics. 15-metre wall, it's obviously a very um, – it's a growing sport. There's a, there's a climbing place here in Christchurch where it's it's absolutely thriving. It's hard to get into. So people are, are absolutely loving it. But 15-metre wall, I'd say 10 seconds. 10 seconds? Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Well, let's see 10 seconds. I did think because, you know. Hey, what about you? Oh, mate. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, mate, I hope you've got a chair. You can put your feet up and you've got a cold drink and a good book because it could take a while. Uh, yeah. Probably not 10 seconds. Uh, probably a bit longer than that. Now, I reckon oh, looking at the walls are going up. I don't know because they're, they're quite difficult. Like mm. You'd have to chuck me on the beginner wall. I reckon I'd probably get up the beginner wall in maybe 30 seconds to a minute, mm. something like that. But uh, yeah, I've seen clips of it. Eh, they are yeah. real quick. They are oh. rapid. They just go boop, 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 boop. Oh, they're up yeah. there. Yeah, they're okay. gone. And yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think ten seconds. I've got to say about yeah, thirty seconds for me. Like it wouldn't take me that quick. But you get used to it, and um, you know, it's a it's a good opportunity for these these young kids. I was reading that article saying you know they, we've got a junior world champ that's heading over and potentially going to. Have a crack, and if we get a medal, uh, everyone will start taking notice. I think he was the young athlete at the Halberg Awards this year too, so emerging athlete. So um, we'll we'll keep an eye on this the sport, yeah. But I don't know too much about it. I did ask. I remember asking um, Razor last year. I think it was at the beginning of Super Rugby Comp. Um, if he was going to take a sabbatical so he could go to the Paris Olympics to compete in the break dancing, because mm. you know you talk about. What the hell is that doing there? Break dancing at the Olympics? Mm-hmm. That's one that I've scratched in my head, mate. Definitely put the gumboot thrown for that. Yeah, look, there's there's a lot of sports that I'm like, wow, okay. They're, they're just trying to fill gaps here. 
Yeah. Um, let's wait and see. But on the Olympics, what about? I know we're going to talk to Ricky Swinnell mm. about Anton Dupont and his transition from 15s to the 7s. Been very, very good. I, th- I feel if he's got a bit more time, which he's going to have, man, he's going to he's going to rip that seven scenes apart. Yeah. First time the French have uh, progressed to a semi final on the seven circuit. Yeah. It was his first. It was his first. So look at the sevens team. Look at the 15s team. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see it what just happens. shows how good that boy is. Round three. Georgia Ball, female pro golfer. I don't know if you've seen this story, Izzy, but she was filming her swing. So she had a camera set up behind her, and she was filming her swing at a driving range. Now, she is a professional golfer. <laughs> and then some dude walking past was like, you're doing that wrong. Unsolicited advice from some hack at the driving range to a pro golfer, totally mansplaining to her. Jeez, if you're that bloke. Or more likely, that bloke's kids, you're embarrassed. Um, but what is the best or worst advice you've had from some random? I don't know, you might have been at the park practicing your goal kicking, doing something, and some dude goes, mate, what are you up to? Oh, my. I'm going back to the golf, because everyone thinks they're a pro. <laughs> everyone. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're shooting 90s and you're playing around with this bloke, and he's like, you need to do this, you need to do that. I've had it plenty, okay? And you, you just, you know... You be nice about it, you take it, and you, you listen for little bits of nuggets here. But the reality is when I watched him swing, I was like, wow, well, you need to tell yourself something, mate. Um, <laughs> so there, there is plenty out there. Everyone thinks they know golf. You know, Even the professionals, will. it, it is by far the hardest game to master, man. There are so many me- mechanics and things that need to be perfectly in place, the perfect timing for you to hit that little white ball where you want it to go. Uh, I was at the drum range yesterday, and I was with my pro that I'm playing with in the open. His name's Benny Walton. He's from Australia. He's a good bloke. Anyway, my driver was struggling. I was struggling. I was you know, terrible with my driver at the moment. And some days it's good, some days it's bad. But he gave me this great tip. So I didn't know anything, but he, my elbows, when I was on the backswing, used to really go high. And, you know, when when the club's high, that... that that driver shaft can go anywhere. So he told me a tip to keep my elbow tight to my body and try and rotate around and get some rotation. And he told me this one bit of gold and bang, started just hitting this flush straight drive. And so I guess the thing is that when people know how to play the game, it's just little changes and little bits of gold that you take away. But when I watched that clip, I was thinking, man, there is so many golf heroes out there that think they know this game and they should be playing on the PGA. Well, I'll just tell you one thing. You're not. Yeah. You just stick to your game. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm playing a lot of golf with Jason Ryan at the moment, the All Blacks coach, and mm-hmm. he's on his journey to try and master a few things. And he's always asking for questions, asking how to get better. You have to play golf that suits your body. Not everyone's mechanics and tech, tech, um, technique or, or technique works to uh, to the same to person. Little bits of golf for Jace. It's um, you know working on his backswing and things like that. So yeah, just work what be, do what works for you. Really, that's all I'll say. But uh, that was funny. I love that clip. There's so <laughs> many out there. Everyone will have a golf story. Send them in. Double eight, double three. Oh yeah, my, my my most embarrassing golf story is it wasn't to do with that. It was I hadn't been playing very long, and I I was probably I don't know maybe eighteen or something, and I was out with my uncle, um, and he's he was a pro club pro and things, and um, we're standing on the tee waiting for the this lot to go through, and I'm standing there, 
And next thing, this ball goes bop, 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 bop by my foot. <laughs> and I'm not, like, just not my brain, obviously, not engaged, not mm. thinking about why it's there or what's going on. But also a little bit of that. You didn't pick it up, did you? Yeah. I did. Oh, you did not, Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, I because well, I thought. You, well, I, I, I was you nowhere. You are the worst pl- people in the world, you people. <laughs> nowhere near a fairway. Like, you know, that was how bad the shot must have been. So I just assumed somebody was having a practice shot. So I picked the ball up and threw it back to them. But you saw it rolling? I, yeah, so I thought it was a practice shot. I thought, Rick. Like, I was just like, uh, and I was you just like, you are go, a golfer's nightmare. Oh. You are a golfer's nightmare. If that ball is not yours, anyone out there, do not touch it. Do not pick it up. Leave it alone. I'll tell you a funny story, okay? I was playing at Clearwater. Mm. At Clearwater, you know, there's, there's a bit of welfare and, and so on. So I hit this ball, on, and I shanked it on hole number one, and it went onto one of the tee blocks, and I could see this ball, and this group of golfers walking straight towards me picks it up, puts it in their pocket. And I didn't know what to say, mate. And they look like doctors, surgeons, and, and so on. I'm like, mate, $10 ball, go get your own, mate. Come on. So don't, Rick Dog, if you're out there and you see yeah. a ball, look around, see if there's anyone around first, you know, do your due diligence and see if there's anyone playing golf, and then pick it up. But don't pick it up if you see it rolling. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, there you go. Your nightmare <laughs> golf stories. Double eight, double three. Let us know. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. 0800-150-811-8833. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable smart bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can sleep blissfully. And uh, we've just come, gone uh, 6.30, but a couple of questions through on double eight double three. Morena, uh, lads in Araha, do you know who won the qualifying tournament yesterday to qualify for the tournament? A couple of boys from Toronga Golf Course were in, a, in Mitch Kale and Nathan Clark, that is from Mark and Tauranga. Yeah, sorry, Marky, it wasn't any of the Tauranga boys. Uh, Rintaro Nakano, Nakakano, sorry, uh, Nakano, sorry, has secured the final spot in the New Zealand Open presented by Sky Sport, taking out the last final qualifying event in Cromwell Golf Club with a sensational seven under Oof. 65 today. Uh, the 101st amateur ranked amateur in the world amateur golf rankings. Rainy Japan amateur champion birdied his final of the whole of the day to beat the 39 player field who are competing for the final place. So he beat out uh, Kiwi Ryan Chisnell and Australian James Gibellini by a stroke. So uh, there we go, young Japanese player Rintalo Nakano has, yeah, uh, nice has qualified there, uh, Marky. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, Izzy. And uh, Richie has sent through, this is a beauty of a text, we asked you for your embarrassing golf stories. Morning, lads. When I lived in Christchurch, I was playing Everglades. I hit a duff shot, got angry, and slammed the club back in the bag, which then bounced back out of the bag and gave me a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> has anyone ever broken a club? Has anyone ever snapped a club? My old man I'd has. I'd love to hear that story. My old I've man been has. Close. Has he? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I'll tell you a story just quickly. I've never intentionally snapped the club. But we were playing golf in Japan, uh, in South Africa, and I was playing with uh, TJ and Lima Sapuanga were in the other cart. And throughout the whole day, I didn't know, but my golf bag kept falling off the cart when I was driving. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on with the strap? What's going on? But well, little did I know that TJ kept undoing my strap. <laughs> 
every hole. So I drive off, my bag will just go bang, bang, bang. Anyway, we get to the last hole, and for the final time, it does it. And what happens? My three wood snaps. My three wood snaps, oh. and I'm losing the plot, and I'm so angry, and I'm like, mate, you have to go pay for that. You have to go pay for the three wood in Japan, in South Africa, in Durban. And he had to go up to the clubhouse and uh, told them the whole story. They let him off. I was so gutted they let him off. But he snapped my club by undoing my my bolt, my cart um, bag strap. So, mate, yeah, if, any stories, let us know. Yeah, double eight, double three, let us know. I was going to say, if anybody can afford to replace your three-wood, it's TJ Pieranaro with his bloody NBA trade basketball cards uh, collection, <laughs> eh? Uh, here's Araha with news for you nah, from... Com- a scam. <laughs> from Kubota. He scammed me out of it. Oh, I know he did. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Bunnings Trade, your partner in getting tax time sorted for the first time in the 23-24 season. The Blackfern Sevens have claimed Cup Final glory after dismantling France 35-19 in the Vancouver final. Veteran Portia Woodman Whitcliffe, who replaced injured superstar Stacey Walker in the starting side this weekend, led by example with a blistering hat-trick. Woodman Whitcliffe scored the opening try in the first minute and from there New Zealand were uh, dominant 28-7 up at the half. France won the second half if you like uh, but uh, it was all the Blackfern Sevens on the night as they held on for a confidence building win after a tough season to date. The Blackferns Sevens placed fifth in Perth last month after a quarter final exit. They bounced back and now, now in second place overall on the ladder just six points off Australia heading into the LA tournament and you think they're looking all right, come Paris, yep. is he? Yeah, they're looking good. The the females uh, are flying. They are a quality outfit for for years. They've been having that duo duel with um with Australia, but also you've got Canada. I think Canada beat Australia in the bronze, and um to to win on uh, you know a bronze medal on home soil. So that was awesome to see. And then you've got the French. Who are thereabouts? You got the Irish women's team that won a, an event uh, in the last month or so. Yeah, they won in Perth, so, didn't they? Uh, yeah, uh, so the women's um, the women's sevens league is going great guns, and even the men's like Argentina. Where have they come from? Well, they are the best sevens team by far. Well, check this out. They, they, you're right because they were produced a, se- a great second half performance yesterday to beat New Zealand thirty six twelve. So their third consecutive gold in Canada, so they like the tournament, and their third gold in a row this season. After a slow start in the first half, Matthias Ostachuk, keep an eye on this guy. He scored a hat-trick of tries. Man, that guy was so hard to stop. He just powered through everything. The gold of Vancouver means their silver in Cape Town is their worst result of the season. Yeah, <laughs> they are they are leaps ahead of everyone else, and I, I think back to the day when I was lucky enough to wear the jersey up against Santiago Gomez Cora. He was a, a fee, uh, an Argentinian flyer, very good man. That they, they are they are in a great place at the moment, and I love it how competitive the seven series is at the moment. It's not your traditional like Fiji. Where have they gone? Fiji traditionally. Just world beaters on the seven scene. They're not even competing for medals. You know, Samoa. No. They're not even there or they're about South Africa. You know, what's happening in South Africa? Like, it, I love it. Absolutely love it seeing these other nations um, being competitive. My favourite player in the women's game is Georgia Miller. Georgia Miller, she is a phenom in the game. She's signed on for the longest rugby sevens contract in history. And you can understand why, man. She is so talented. You watch that try against the French from nothing. 
She had defenders in front of her. She just jams off her left foot, accelerates through the hole. She's a workhorse. She's agile. And um, they're just, they're entertainers, the females. They they love to entertain. And Porsche is one of the entertainers. And they had a lot of injured, injured players back home too. Stacey Waka, she's always going to be in that team. Sarah Hidden as well. Sarah Hidden-y gone. So, mate, they seem to find a way. You think of cultures. And, and high-performing cultures, man, they've got it in droves. Got it nailed. And how's this too for Los Pumas after that win in the final? They are unbeaten in 15 straight games this year. Didn't pick it. Didn't pick it. Didn't. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Great so, to see. So good. Uh, evidence punishment for breaching the Premier League's profit sustainability rules has been reduced from 10 points to 6 on appeal by the Merseyside Club. The initial 10-point sanction was handed down in November. Everton immediately appealed, uh, which was the harshest penalty in Premier League history. Yesterday, a, uh, well, overnight I should say, the league said Everton FC appealed the sanction imposed against it on nine grounds, each of those related to the sanction rather than the fact that they had made a breach, which the club admitted. Two of those nine grounds were upheld by the appeal board, which has substituted the original points deduction of 10 for 6. This revised sanction has immediate effect and the Premier League table will be updated to reflect this. The decision moves Everton from 17th to 15th and five points clear of the relegation zone. Wow, lucky, aren't they? Well, this is always happening in, in yeah. the EPL. Like, is it more prominent than we probably know? Well, I think it's happening more now because there's more focus on it, right? They've, they've never had to do it before, but they've had a few some situations, financial situations, which haven't looked good for the game. And so this is the powers that be are kind of trying to bolt the gate after the horse is gone. Um, and this is the way they're trying. They're, they're they're attempting to do it. And the different leagues in Europe do it differently. Like Spain, it, they they don't do it at the end of the year and then retrospectively punish you. Spain go, all right, here's your numbers for the last year. This is the amount of money you're allowed to spend this year, uh, and that's it, right? So that's what Barcelona are coming up against at the moment. Uh, but the problem with the one against Everton is they had uh, a Russian owner who then they had to get rid of. They were in the middle of developing a new stadium. They are building a new stadium, which they were going to move into next season. So that was draining a lot of the resources. So a lot of the money they were spending wasn't on the squad. It was on their new stadium and yeah. and infrastructure and stuff. And I think that's where they've appealed and that's where they've probably got um, this uh, – got got the right to appeal and, and got four points back, which I think is probably right because 10 points was pretty harsh. So there you go. Yeah, but, well, yeah, could have got them relegated. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that was the real danger. There you go. Those are your sports news headlines. Uh, thanks uh, to uh, Bunnings Trade, you can uh, get all your paperwork streamlined with Bunnings Trade. Manage receipts effortlessly on the Bunnings Trade Power Pass app this tax time, and keep your texts coming through too. Double eight, double three. Your horror stories uh, on the golf course morning team playing in a three-day tournament and was on the first tee of day one with 50 people watching. I topped the tee shot and it rolled three metres in front. Didn't make the ladies' tee. I could hear people <laughs> laughing. Second shot went out of bounds. Ended up with nine on a par four. Ruined me for three days. <laughs> Cheers, Paul and Howarder. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate your You're text. human, mate. You're human. That is normal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness uh, I can pick my ball up at this tournament. Yeah, indeed. Uh, keep your text coming through. Double eight, double three. We'll get to more of them after this. It is sixteen away from seven.
0800 is how you get hold of us, or double eight double three, the temper bedpost text machine. It's 11 away from 7, and Goose has texted this one through. Morning, lads. Playing here in Christchurch, my group were constantly getting swooped by magpies on one hole. We had to pick when to tee off between swoops. As I swung and followed through, there was a big puff of black and white feathers. <laughs> Let's just say the magpie timed its swoop poorly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Goose, there's, there's plenty of stories out there, horror stories in terms of birds. I've got one, personally, in, in Australia. I can't understand, understand Australia. Everything wants to eat you. Everything wants to kill you. And uh, I was playing golf. Except the rugby and, team. Uh, yeah, well. Little <laughs> <laughs> uh, wreck dog, don't get me started. Sorry, carry on. I was about to say something that would have cracked the headlines. Um, so... I was on a hole, 18th hole, in a place called Port Douglas, and I was playing golf, and there was these two, three kookaburras that were circling the final hole. So we hit our, our, our balls up to the hole, and we get up there, and I'm about to putt on this green, and out of the corner of my eye, i just seen this bird just coming straight, it, like, it was lining me up from about 30 away, coming straight at me, at me and I'm not sure it's going to shy away. No, it comes straight towards me, and it gets like probably centimetres from my face, and then finally um, vasts off, various um, glances to the right, and so I'm like, wow, wonder if it's going to do it again. It did it for like 10 minutes while I was trying to putt, so I had this putter in the air, and I was trying to hit this bird, <laughs> three of them, going um, and, and going together trying to swoop me and get me, and I was it was the scariest time of my life. I was genuinely scared of these kookaburras. Have you seen the Alfred so, Hitchcock movie Birds? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Sounds like that. <laughs> well, it, it felt like that. And that wasn't the only bird situation. There was one in Brisbane too. I don't know what this bird was, but this bird was attacking me too, and it was a black-looking bird. And um, So there's birds in Australia that want to want to attack you, and yep. there's everything else too. Yeah, exactly. Everything, everything, mate. And we've got a test coming up uh, later on this week, as you mentioned, because you've got punter, hopefully, uh, Ricky Ponting on the show tomorrow with you because he's, he's rooming next door. Um, he probably and, hear me. He probably Morning, punter. Uh, but Daryl Mitchell yesterday was talking uh, to the press and he was talking about both tests being sold out and the appetite for the game in New Zealand. Yeah, and I also think the, the move to free air has been awesome for the whole country to get behind the game, the amount of people around the country that are, I guess, when you're at the airports and things like, like that, showing up and smiling and supporting you through the summer has been really special and it's something that we definitely notice as Black Caps how, how cool it is to have the whole of New Zealand behind us and um, yeah, I think that's been part to obviously that move and, and also the, I guess the style of cricket that we try and play as Kiwis. So yeah, both tests sold out, is he? Um, looks like Wellington first three days is definitely going to be sweet. Um, might be a little bit of rain around day four, day five. Uh, but yeah, looking good, mate. Be, uh, take it to the basin is like gold in Wellington at the moment. Yeah, the appetite's there to go see Australia. You know, the appetite's there. They're going to go sell out a Bangladesh test series or, or a Sri Lanka test series, you know what I mean? No disrespect to those nations, but this is about Australia. The best cricketers in the world on our shores and an opportunity to... Park the T20 series because it was atrocious. It was poor, and um, you know, going from so being so close in, in match one to dropping the next two and getting a, a, a three nil sweep from the Australians. So we need to park that. They need to work a lot on their fielding. Like catches were matches. Said old son, we fielded poorly. We need to take opportunities and build pressure. And when you're speaking of pressure, where does that come from in terms of the bowling? You know, we lost Kyle Jamison. 
Tim Salvi, he is aging. Has he got the, the juice in his legs? You know, his mobility was questionable in that game. Um, you know, so is a young Willow Rook going to really stand up for this Black Caps team? So, yeah, it's only a couple of days away. We had Gary Stead on yesterday talking a little bit about it, but the reality is this team really needs to find something and dig deep, particularly if Devin Conway's out, Russian Ravindra's out. It's going to be a tough ask. Just on that, Izzy, quickly, um, as, as you mentioned, obviously the appetite is well and truly there for the Australian series. You're not going to get as much interest in a lesser team. But I do wonder, you know, with, with free-to-air, is, is it is it looking better because of the teams we're playing? Like, I wonder how many people wouldn't be watching this Australian series if it was on a streaming service. Yeah, well, that that's a fair point too. It's all live commentary here on ECNZ, and there's so much um, interest in terms of the, our commentary team doing a fantastic job. A lot of people, yeah, definitely. Free to air is changing the game. I know Super Rugby is doing a free to air, so there's plenty going on. It is coming up to 7 o'clock, not too far away. Keep your texts rolling through, double eight, double three. Want to hear from you, uh, your golfing horror stories. Uh, of course, Izzy is getting ready for the New Zealand Open. He's got a, a round today, a round tomorrow, and then tees off on Thursday. And last time he was here, he had his own golfing horror story. Uh, so we want to hear your golfing horror stories as well, double eight, double three. This one from Paul. Izzy, I've heard you often had to fight off the birds. Oh, cut it out. Cut it out. There cut you go, out. Paul. Thanks for your text. Keep those coming through. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to catch up with Rob Nickel from the Rugby Players Association and talk the situation around the mouth guards. And we'll also catch up with Ricky Swinnell too around the sevens out of Canada. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Rob Nickel coming up on the show. Ricky Swinnell, who was commentating that Sevens World Series yesterday, is going to join us after 8 o'clock as well. Who am I? Clue number two for a $100 Adidas Golf voucher. The new Tour 360-24 from Adidas Golf, available now at adidas.co.nz. Clue number two, I made my test debut against Canada. Got it. Um, um, you got it? You know who it is? Okay, good. Well, the third clue gave it away for me. Oh, right. Well, people don't have the third clue yet, is he? Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> You're special. You're special. <laughs> uh, we've also been asking people to text through their, their golfing horror stories, and this one from Joe is superb. Morning, boys. I used to live in London and was playing Wentworth for a corporate day. We drew some bankers in our four ball. This guy rocks up in a Ferrari and had all the latest gear, a new squarehead Nike sumo driver, remote control, electric golf bag. The first hole has a pond stretching 60 metres on the right-hand side. This guy sparks up a Monte Cristo cigar and then a bright pink golf club puts four in the lake. He calmly turns around and drives his golf bag into the pond and says golfers for losers and then leaves. He then stacks his Ferrari into a bollard on his way out of the car park. Absolute <laughs> toss. Oh, there's a plenty out there, including myself. All the gear, no idea, mate. Uh, look, look, my, my old saying is if you look good, you feel good, you potentially might play good. Well, it doesn't. It worked in rugby, didn't work in golf. Uh, Rob Nickel joins us now from the Players Association. Rob, uh, I'm sure you have a golfing horror story, mate. Are, are, you, are you getting out today at all? No, mate, I, um, I'll, I'll pass on the golf. I'll, uh, 
Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for coming on. Um, I guess you know we, we I mentioned it yesterday when I got in touch about coming on. The you know as good as the performances for four of our Super Rugby teams were on the opening weekend. There's almost been as much chat about the mouth guards. Um, and the question that we got a lot yesterday was how much consultation was there with the players on this because the vibe seems to be that they're not overly happy. Yeah, yeah, it's been niggly, to be fair. Um, I mean, they've been around for a while. Uh, it goes mm. back to 2018, 2019, actually. Quinns in the UK were the first team to really grab them. And interestingly, it wasn't really about concussion. It was about load management. They were having a lot of problems with their top players not being available for selection through injury at trainings and in games, but a lot of training. So they introduced these mouth guards and, and had the players wearing it all week. And they found through that they were able to really manage the player load on the players and, and they, they pulled right back. Like those guys, they reckon they're doing like two to six minutes contact, full contact training a week now, that's all. Um, and they actually won the tournament in 2019. So the players got onto it and the technology is sort of advanced and then the idea was, okay, well, if you could use that technology to develop a, a sort of an algorithm that can measure um, the rotational impact of a head knock on the field and you could Bluetooth that to the side of the, side of the field in real time, you know, there's some real potential here. So there's been a lot of trialling of it. There's been a fair few sort of operational, niggly, logistical issues around doing it. But by and large, they were making pretty good progress. And they still are. I mean, you know, initially there was two chips and the mouth guard was quite chunky. Um, they've refined the mouth guard. It's still still quite chunky and some players find it quite uncomfortable. Um, the the other part that sort of, I suppose, um, suppose jumps out is a mouth guard's a real personal thing. Um, as you'll know, when you play at that level, <laughs> you talked about looking good when you play rugby. Well, there's all sorts of stuff that players have. And if you've played 12 years or 10 years or 8 years of pro rugby and this is your job and everything has to be down pat, to suddenly be told you've got to wear this mouth guard when you play and train, um, that's presented a bit of a challenge. Uh, for the guys, but the, the one that really kind of got us, and they didn't talk to us before they, they made the decision, but we raised it straight away, this is going back to last September, October, was don't threaten the guys. Like, don't say you can't access HIA if you don't wear an IMG, because straight away players are like, hey, hang on a sec, we've been big supporters of the head injury assessment. We've, you know, we've backed it, we've used it, it's made a great game for the game in terms of managing acceleration events on the field. Don't tell us we can't access it if we don't wear your mouth guard. Like, we're happy to trial the mouth guard and, and help you get the data and refine it because it's got some incredibly, you know, it's a real positive piece of technology. But don't force it on us because some of us aren't going to be ready. And then the kicker is what you saw in the weekend of it is, and if you force it on us and tell us we have to wear it to access HIA, and then we find that quite a few guys are coming off and they pass the HIA, and they didn't need to be taken off, and it's a key moment of the game, what we said to them is you risk losing the players. And if you lose the players, it's quite hard to get them back. It's kind of like mm -hmm. the changing room. And so we just said, look, don't mandate it as part of HIA. Let's spend 12 months, 18 months trialling it with the Bluetooth technology on, on the field and real-time data with those that are willing to enable and, and get all the kinks ironed out and nailed down. So that's the full story. Uh, but we... <laughs> Yeah, they didn't. They didn't listen. They mandated it from first of January, and and unfortunately, there's a little bit of what we we see playing out. So, yeah, Rob, that's a story. Cor correct me if I'm wrong, but 
if they do not wear these mouth guards, like you're just saying, and they wear their own mouth guard, and there is an instance on the field where they have a, a head knock, they cannot go out. They are taken off, and they have no opportunity to do an HIA. So we lose that player for good. Yeah, so um, so this is the other the other niggly part. We're into this today, aren't we? Um, but the, when you're in the HIA, if you display one of five key symptoms, you're removed from the field of play, and whether you pass the HIA you, or not, you're not allowed back on. So you're thinking ataxia, being knocked out, yeah. uh, you know, standing up and um, you know walking all over the place, go back to the wrong back line. Is he? I don't know if you've got the chance to do that, but <laughs> facing the wrong way or something. Um, yeah. And so one of those five things, you're removed, you can't go back on anyway. And yep. so under recognise and remove, like at community rugby, if you if you don't wear the mouth guard, you're, you're subject to recognise and remove. So if you display any of those five things, you'll be removed and you won't be back, back on, and that's no different. But where it's going to be tricky is if players say, well, I'm going to recognise and remove, and they take a knock, because they can't do the HIA test and come back on, you know what's going to happen. The boys won't, and the girls, they won't put their hand up. Mm. They won't say, I've just taken a knock. They'll... They'll hide it, and we go right back to the start where you end up with players choosing to recognise and remove because they don't trust the IMG technology and don't and don't want to be removed and then pass the test and come back on. So they go recognise and remove, then they're taken off the field of play for a knock because they're a little bit worried, but it wasn't like a knockout or anything, and then they're told you can't go back on the field. They're just not going to put their hand up, and it also puts a hell of a lot of pressure on the coaches and doctors and match day doctors, that if they see the player get a little knock, but the player doesn't show anything, then what are they going to do? Go and tap the ref on the shoulder and say, you've got to send number eight from the field because, uh, you know, and at a professional level, when you've got a crowd and you've got tension, it's, it's a bit different. You know, at the community game level, everyone knows you've got to be overcautious, you've got to be over-responsible, and it's fine, but we just don't want to get caught in that stage, and, and that's where we might end up. Yeah. In a teething period, when that's what we're going through now, you say it started in 2018, it's been a few years since then, does anyone have any idea of what the end goal will look like? Like what will be the perfect scenario yeah, for really, these mouth guards to be a part of our game? A really good question. So it's only been in the last 12 months that the blue test technology has allowed real-time measurement of, of a heat acceleration events in training or, or playing. Yep. And so that's only started to come now. So one of World Rugby's motivations for getting all the players to wear it, um, as he was that they wanted a whole lot of players wearing it so they could get data and do research and start to refine levels and work out how good it actually is. You know, are we just finding we're removing a whole lot of players and none of them have got concussion, in which case maybe it's not that great, or is it proving a really useful tool? I, I think, and, and certainly from the players' perspective, we can really see potential in it. Yep. I think there's... It's partly around concussion, but most of it's about load management, to be honest. So it's the, the number of trainings you're exposed to during a week leading up to a game, the game itself, and then how that compounds over a year. Um, I, I could see a day, in fact, we had the manufacturers from Prevent, uh, Sterling Mortlocks involved there, and he was in the office the other day, and he said, you know, there could be a day where you've got a certain maximum number of kilojoules that you can sustain during a year or a season, and players are managed to that, um, mm. to pull back on the... Not so much the risk of the concussion thing, the sub-concussive knocks. And so I think, you know, it's definitely got a role to play, a performance role in terms of managing players' load, and then a health and safety in terms of managing exposure to big impacts that could result in, in concussive um, mm. events. But, you know, like all these kind of technologies, you've got to do the work, you've got to do the research, 
and you've got to get it really refined before you you implement it at this top kind of level. Otherwise, you can you can sort of lose your way. And I think they've just pushed it too hard. Mm. That said, we'll um, we'll continue to do what we can to to support it because we do believe it's got some potential. Yeah. Can I ask, um, from from what I understand, the Six Nations teams aren't using them in the Six Nations. In fact, Dwayne Van der Merwe has got a hat trick. For Scotland, wasn't even wearing a mouth guard at all uh, in the game against England. Um, do you know why that is? <laughs> so, um, players are interesting cats. So, uh, they are wearing them. Um, in fact, we had an issue in, in the Scottish game. I think one of the boys was taken off, and, and it was like, what was that all about? Um, so, we actually, it was one of the first issues they'd actually had in the Six Nations. But you've got, you got the scenario where if players choose not to wear it and just be subject to recognise and remove, you've got this logistical challenge of working out who's wearing it and who's not on the field. And then the other part is if a player doesn't wear it during the week, you're not allowed to access HIA on the weekend. And, and I suspect what's happened, and I think you even saw in Super Rugby, there's actually a few guys that have just jumped straight to recognise and remove. And then you've got the age-old problem of we've always had New Zealand's been quite different. We've always made it compulsory to wear mouth guards. We've had the odd issue with, with guys not wearing them, but we've always had it in our regulations in New Zealand. You have to wear it. Up until this year, that hasn't been the case around the world. So a lot of players have played their whole careers without wearing mouth guards. And so the guys that are looking at this and going, I don't like it, it's clunky, it's niggly, I'm actually not sure I want to trust it. So they're just going to recognise and remove. And then for some of them, of course, they don't wear mouth guards anyway, so they're just not wearing one. And then you've got an enforcement problem. And, uh, you know, when you're in six nations and you've got 60 or 70,000 people in a stadium screaming and the game's on the wire, um, it's going to be a brave ref that steps on and, and throws the player off the field for not wearing a mouth guard. Does that fall under the employment contractual obligation from a New Zealand point of view? Like, if they're refusing to wear it, they're putting their body and potential to play yeah. for that team at risk, doesn't that come fall under the umbrella of, well, you're contractually obliged to wear it, so you have to? Yeah, so we, we did it through the collective agreement um, as you, a long time ago, eh? and, mm. and the reason mm. we did it is that ACC, ACC presented a piece of research that just conclusively proved that wearing a mouth guard, actually from a, from a safety perspective around your jaw and your teeth and, and all that side of things was the right thing to do. And we looked at, we actually, as much as anything, looked at the community game and said, well, how can you convince people at community level to wear a mouth guard if professional players aren't wearing it? And so, so we brought into it, and we, and, and you know, there's the odd player that finds it quite niggly that you're supposed to wear a mouth guard, yeah. um, but we felt it was the right thing to do for the game. But like mm. I said, around the world, mouth guards weren't compulsory, and so World Rugby have only just made it compulsory to wear a mouth guard, as in literally in the last month or so. But the enforcement of that's going to be another to use that word again, sort of niggly situation, mm. particularly if you've got players that have played their career without a mouth guard. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big adjustment. It's uh, The guys are trying to, like, for those that have worn mouth guards, it's a real personal thing, and it's, yeah. um, it does, it's something that takes a while to get used to, and everyone's a little bit different, and, uh, yeah, it definitely can affect the way in which you, you perform when you're, when you're pushing the boundaries in terms of, of um, strenuous activity, shall we say. Yeah. Can be done, Rob. Can be done. I went I, I, years. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. 
I went years without wearing my mouth guard. And the reason was I couldn't breathe and I felt just congested in the mouth. Um, but there was an article written years ago, you would have been a part of it, when I wasn't wearing my mouth guard. Yeah. Adi Savio wasn't wearing his mouth guard. And I guess as role yeah. models, we need to, to set the example for, for the younger players coming through. CTE is a big talking point in our game. And I guess if you refuse to wear that... Mouth guard. We had a text message come on yesterday. Said, "Well, if you refuse to wear your mouth guard through your career, you have no, well, you have no grounds to go and chase the rugby union for CTE or any sort of niggles going forward." Would that be the case? Yeah, there's a lot of. Um, I mean, whether the mouth guard itself in relation to concussion is actually, you know, mm. like useful or not in preventing preventing concussion. I think, um, you know, it's, the jury's probably out on that. Uh, it's like kind of like the headgear. Um, certainly makes you. I don't. You know, certainly makes you feel better. Gives you a level of security. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I actually was the other way around. I couldn't play without wearing one. <laughs> yeah. Freaking out. Without. Um, but your your point's well made. I think it's a, it's even a bigger picture than that in terms of the neuro decline over time. Like trying to understand the risks in that space is really complicated. You read all these research studies. They're all over the show. They're giving percentages. One of the pieces of work we're doing at the moment, we're trying to break that down in plain English and say, well, out of a thousand people, if you play rugby and you don't play rugby, what's the what's your right, what's your chance of having neuro decline later in life? And um, and we just want to get a figure so the players can make a fair assessment of risk in that space. But what we've learned through a lot of these studies is, you know, whether you're wearing a mouth guard, whether you're following doctor's advice, whether you're putting your hand up, which you should do if you've got symptoms because you've had a head knock. Put your hand up straight away and get medical attention and do it properly because, you know, whether you're following a rehabilitation program, whether you're choosing to drink after you've had a head knock, or there's so many things that impact the health of your brain, particularly when you've, you've stressed it through a, a heavy impact or a concussion. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of common sense to that. So the point you're making is, is dead right. You know, it's about self-responsibility and doing everything you've you, know, you can do to minimise your risk and to follow the right the right instructions when you do have an event. And if you do that, um, most of the studies I'm reading and showing are that you know the, the elevated risk for for people playing contact sport um, is not astronomical. It's 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 easily manageable. Mm, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, all right, Rob. It's, it brings so many different things uh, up, you know, around employment law, and then as Izzy mentioned, you know, sort of yep. we've seen at the moment with the English Rugby Union dealing with court cases around CTE and things. So a, a long way to go. And this, I, only thing I I wondered is I wore a mouth guard for a little while when I was playing rugby league, and I didn't enjoy it, but I did it. Um, and you used to be able to trim them, you know, get the scissors out. You'd soften them up in the hot water and then and then be able to trim them with a pair of scissors, you know, and all that sort of stuff. How easy to manipulate, to trim, and to, I guess, personalise are these mouth guards given all the technology that's in them? Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're not dentistry fitted, but they're professionally fitted to each individual. So they're taking scans and moulds of the players and then the mouth guard is made for your mouth. Um, the... the for those out there, so there's literally a little chip. The first mouth guard had two chips. They had a chip either side, and um, they they both one was like a GPS, and the other one measured. Um, well, they both both measured different forces of impact. Like there's a straight on impact and there's a rotational impact, and then they advanced the technology into one chip, and they were able to make the mouth guard quite a lot smaller because it only had the one chip, um, in, in one side of the mouth guard. 
but they're, they're basically, they're not quite dentistry fitted, but they're definitely molded to each individual, so they're, they're a high quality fit. It's not like when you go down to the, you know, the chemist or wherever you get your mouth gut from and you just grab one and then you chuck it in the hot water and throw it in your mouth. They're, they're, they're professionally fitted. Um, yep. But the issue is because they have to hold the chip in them, they're, they're a little bit bulky and robust, and for some players that's proving a little bit of a challenge to overcome, and they can't quite, you know, over time I have absolutely no doubt so they'll get it to a, to a real quality, um, you know, fitting mouth guard to the point that it's as good, if not better, than most of the ones in the market. In fact, where I reckon it could end up is that you actually buy the chip separately, and mouth guards are made in a way where you just put it in the mouth guard that you want to use, mm. um, rather than having to buy that particular mouth guard, because they're not cheap. Um, you know, 500 bucks? Like, yeah, a bit more than that. Yeah, oh, my. So, so who's fu- uh, they're funded? Obviously, you know, we're going to get to a stage where if you're playing fully professional, everyone is going to be wearing one. Um, yeah, quite possibly. Uh, mm. At the moment, World Rugby are funding it for the first 12 months, and then no one's decided who's funding it after that. But uh, that's that's another little, uh, little issue that will need to get worked out because... Um, yeah, we've got, a lot, we've got a lot of teams here. We've got about 27 pro teams mm. and uh, a lot of players. And uh, you know, don't forget these mouth guards are going to be with you all the time. So technically you're not allowed to take the training field without one of them on. Jeez, imagine that responsibility yeah. from Dagger. I would have lost plenty. <laughs> <laughs> last, year, last year it wasn't really reasonable set well. And so you know, someone in the team has to take responsibility for it's like the drink bottle. It's bringing the mouth guards, making sure they're charged, charged up, and at the end of it, everyone's got to remember to put their mouth guard back in their oh, pouch. No. Oh, no. clean. But, um, so imagine that for a fine system. Is it? You've got the mouth guards this week. But, um, oh, oh would have been fine plenty, mate. Oh, no. Something else for the kit man to do. Something else for the kit man to do. All right, Rob. Hey, listen, I really appreciate you coming on this yeah, morning. Yeah, cheers, Rob. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's certainly a, an interesting topic, no doubt. You'll be getting... Uh, some mail from Marisa Robertson asking how he can protect uh, his first five's ribs uh, from from here. What, what what technology is available for that? But that's a that's a whole another discussion. Yeah, look, I think it, it's one of those ones where it is what it is. We, we'll persevere and do the best we can. But at the same time, this is this is you know the guys they want to get out there and perform. And if they lose trust or confidence in this technology, then uh, you're probably going to see more players going to recognise and roof. But we still think a, a vast majority will stick with it, mm. and that data will help us get it better and better. Good stuff. Go well, Rob. Have a great day. Uh, Rob, Cheers, Rob. From, the, from the Players Association there with us. It is 26 past seven. Yeah, really good chat. Uh, you can warm yourself up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at $4.50 at your local nine day. It is tradies hour, and you are listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. It is 7.30, just gone, and it is, of course, tradies hour as well with night and day warm-up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at just $4.50. Double eight, double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine, and uh, we've been asking about your uh, worst uh, golfing stories, yeah, nightmares, and uh, Damon sent this through. I'm a dirty hacker on the course, but one day I was one under through six at Takapuna. Oh, we've all been there. Mm. Lost two balls and hit a 10, which was five over on the seventh. <laughs> I whacked my ball in disgust into the driving range with my putter. Yeah. Putter head went further than the ball, ended up with no putter, and hitting 95. Yeah, Damon, we've all been there, mate. Yeah, you know, the worst player, you know, the worst timing of someone calling, mate, you might shoot the course record here, and then bang, you shank it, and it all just deflates. So we've all been there, mate. We've all been there, don't worry. You're not the only one. Yeah, I, I, I actually had a one of my best holes ever. 
at uh, at Taka. It's the ninth. I think it was the ninth hole. And you drive it, and it dog legs to the to the right. Yeah. And I hit this drive, and more, normally the driving was my weakest part of my game, but I hit this drive, and it just it followed the fairway, and it went round the corner, followed the dog leg, and I I was like off the tee. I think it's a par four, uh, but I was about twenty meters from the green, right in the middle of the fairway, and I'm like, wow, where's this been forever? <laughs> then I chipped on. Yeah. And I'm like, par four. I'm on for a birdie here. Three putted. <laughs> I thought the story was going to go, you drained it from. No. There's a reason I gave my clubs away and don't play anymore, mate. There you go. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that is it. Uh, but keep your texts rolling through on your worst uh, golfing stories. Want to hear from you? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Here's Araha with the latest news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 0800-150-811-8833. That's how you get hold of us. Uh, we want to hear your worst golfing stories, your golfing nightmares, uh, head of the New Zealand Open. It is 24 away from 8. Time for some sports news headlines. Get the uh, Keno feeling with Kennard's hire. Uh, Miami Heat forward Jimmy Butler, among five players suspended without pay for their roles in Friday night's on-court altercation with the New Orleans Pelicans. Butler and Pelicans forward Najee Marshall were each suspended for one game for instigating and engaging an on-court altercation. Pelicans guard Jose Alvarado and Heat centre Thomas Bryant were suspended three games each for leaving the bench area during the on-court altercation and for fighting. And Miami forward Nikola Jovic was also suspended one game for leaving the bench. Both teams precariously positioned at seventh in the east and the west respectively. So just just outside of the playoff picture but in the play-in. So who do you reckon that hurts more, Is he? Oh, I'd say the, the Heat, mm. really. When you're losing, um, yeah, Jimmy Butler, particularly when he took them on the run last year, and then he took them to glory. But um, in regards to the NBA, the referees are really making a start. So I don't know if you saw the Luka Doncic when he threw the ball back to the referee. He didn't throw it back relatively hard, but he had it threw it back with a little bit of attitude. Well, he got a technical technical foul and had to go to the other end. Like They are making a stance. You cannot even look at the referees in the NBA without getting a technical against you. So, um, yeah, there's no surprises here that they're going to make that, give them those consequences well, for what they've done, particularly with what they're doing on the court and they're getting technicals for it. Yeah, 100%. All right, we'll uh, have to see where that goes because there's certainly been a bit of kickback against some of the uh, the the, uh, the umpires, referees in basketball as well. Uh, India have won the fourth test and the series against England on a spin-friendly spin pitch in Rachi. The set 192 to win the test. India got to the target with five wickets in hand. Keeper Druv Jurel, named man of the match after his scores of 90 and 39 not out. England do look to have unearthed the major talent in Choi Bashir, though. He took eight wickets in the match, including five for 119 in the Indian first innings. And the team's head to Damasala now for the fifth test starting, starting later last week. Uh, a good a good one that Baz has unearthed there, right? Because he was the kid no one had heard of. Yeah, and um, yeah, I guess you take little bits out of this series, but from, particularly from winning the first test and, and the, the players that they've lost in India, you think it's, it's a hell of a missed opportunity for for, for the England um, cricket supporters. You know, travelling to England, uh, India is an, a tough task. We all knew that, but they set themselves up. They had them a chance, particularly in this test match when they scored a solid first innings and then rolled India 
had a lead and they weren't able to pounce on that. So, look, the pressure will be building will on we? the England side and, and on our very own Brendan McCallum because if you're not getting results, you're not getting wins. Yes, baseball, they've, they've come so far in such a short period of time, but you're still not getting the results. They lost the Ashes, or they drew the Ashes. You know, they, they lost this series in India. Um, so, yeah, the, the pressure's building on England. Be interesting to see where they go from here. Now, we heard from Araha that Tamaiti Williams is out for this weekend, probably out for a bit longer than just this week either, as well with a uh, hamstring uh, tear. Uh, but the Chiefs are breathing a huge sigh of relief, I should say, because first five, Damien McKenzie's been cleared of any serious injury and will be available to play this weekend. The All Blacks playmaker was forced off the park in the 43rd minute of the 33-29 win over the Crusaders in the Super Rugby opener in Hamilton with a rib problem, which came about around half an hour in when he was absolutely munched by Levao Amour mm. just as he was passing the ball. And uh, it wasn't the first time that he had been hit, was it? Is he? he got he got a couple of, couple of decent nudges. Yeah, they were targeting um, Damien, but it just shows his importance for not only Chiefs New Zealand rugby, like that... Chiefs team was a totally different outfit when he went off. Joshuani came on and, and had moments of gold, but his consistency probably wasn't up to the scratch of Damien. Like, Damien is that team. He's a driver. He's got so much experience. He knows, you know, he's just a quality player. So, um, yeah, they'll be breathing a sigh of relief, really, that he is back and going to get them going and, and continue on that form. But from a Crusader's point of view, I heard um, in regards to Tamaiti, Rivers Rehana is out. So that puts a bit of pressure on the 10 position in in, in the Crusader's territory. Rivers Rehana is out. Taha Kimara is going to get a start at 10. And David Havili, for his contract, has a sabbatical. So originally he wasn't going to come back for a couple of weeks. He's played nothing. Well, that opens up the door now for David Harvilli to come back early and actually probably play more in the 10 position. Stephen Donald asked me that question. Do we see David Harvilli playing in 10? Well, I said, I hope not. His body has changed so much. I, I can't see him playing at fullback. Like, the running, he is bulked up. He is a big 12, and you had to to play in that position. So he's potentially going to have to jump in the 10 position, 10 jersey. And uh, and fill some gaps there, so huge loss for the Crusaders. Well, I mean, I know it's easy to push the panic button, and we're a long way from an All Blacks test. But you know, if Damien McKenzie does go down injured, you look around and you think, well, the Highlanders, their number one, number ten is a Welshman, and then they've got a couple of kids. Uh, the Crusaders, you've got a couple of kids, and maybe somebody like Harvey, you plug in if you need to. You got Brett Cameron, Aidan Morgan. Um, down at the at the Hurricanes, who are both you know sort of still developing their games, uh, Joshuani, I suppose, at the Chiefs if, if Damien's not available, and then Stephen Petafeta uh, at the Blues. I mean, it doesn't scream depth, does it, at the moment in terms of that team position at, from from an All Black Test point of view? No, it doesn't. There's there's probably a little bit of a gap there, but Stephen Petafeta, I think he can jump in at ten. The way he's steered the the Blues. Uh, already through preseason in that first game, so yeah, I, I get a lot of confidence in knowing Stevie's in, in that type of form. So I'd say it's Damien's and Stephen Petrofetta's jersey at the moment. Um, but outside of that, if injuries do arise with the the All Blacks, it's going to be yeah a struggle. We're going to have to dig deep. Joshuani's been there before. He's had a crack at Test level. You know, he saw glimpses. I saw glimpses. He's got great feet. He's looking in very good condition. 
but I guess it's that consistent performance that he's after. And, you know, how much game time does he actually get this year with Damien at the helm? So, yeah, look, if the injuries do arise, it's going to be tough picking for the All Blacks, particularly at 10 position. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, those are our sports news headlines from Big Jobs to even bigger jobs. Get the Kenoth feeling with Kenan's higher. Your thoughts on uh, the 10 position for the All Blacks. Can hear from you, double eight, double three. And we're also collecting your uh, nightmare on the golf course stories as well with the New Zealand Open teeing up later on this week. Double eight, double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine. We'll be back after this, 17 away from eight. Collecting uh, golfing stories uh, when you've had a nightmare on the golf course. Mark has said, a nightmare on the golf course. Hope it's not this weekend, is he? Don't think about it. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Well, I'm just staring out at uh, hole number 15. The weather's nice here in Queenstown, and we'll find out post this. I'll have a wee, uh, we'll have a wee hit and, and see how, how it goes. But it's in regards to Vossi's comments on RTS. Mm. Uh, if you heard that uh, little promo, he was on Smithy's show yesterday. If you missed that, go have a listen on the SCN app. Catch all uh, all that conversation with Vossi. But talking about RTS in that game, like he looks class. He looks fit. He is agile. Man, he's got the best feet in the game. But he touched on him going to fullback and could be a Dally M medal winner, particularly if he gets that fullback role. I can see that happening for sure, but I, I think Chance Nickel Clodstad deserves that opportunity to have a crack at the back if his body body suits and fits. Yeah, well, I mean, they're saying that he's missing for the first three rounds, right? Mm. Um, and Chance said last year, because there was a lot of talk about this last year, about Roger coming back, what does it mean for Chance? And he, he said, look, I've talked to Webby. Webby bought me as a fullback. He's told yep. me I'm the fullback, right? Mm. And so that was the speculation around where RTS went. If he was going to play RTS at fullback, he would have done it in these trials because Chance hasn't been there and he hasn't. Yeah. He's playing. Tate, he's played Tane there, so I don't. Yeah, I don't look, think it'll happen, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if it did. To be completely honest, Rick Dog, like you, you bring in Adam Pompey, you chuck him on the sensors or Ali Laotola, mm. you know, with the, the they've got some potential in the centres. So it's not a it's not a, far, a stretch as as probably many think. Chucking RTS in the back. The only concern I have is he spoke about it in the post-match was he played a little bit back there in, in that game against the Dolphins and because of the stop-start nature of the game he was able to fulfil that role a little bit easier than it probably potentially if the ball was in play more. Is his body up for it? Like the fitness that is needed to play fullback in the game NRL is difficult. He's played a lot at centre even in rugby, you don't do as much running as you do as, as the outside. So whether his body is up for it, man, I, I we all want to see RTS with the ball in hand. Even him with limited spell, space and, and room in front of him, he is putting people on, on notice already with, you know, just a little bit of uh, inside. He's got the best feet, man. He's just an entertainer. I love watching him play. He's great. I mean, unless uh, Team Taupeki uh, gets an injury or has a nightmare, mm. I, I don't think it happens. To be honest, yeah, yeah. You, you know. don't you don't see them potentially giving Adam Pompey another crack. How good was Adam Pompey last year? Now he's not even in the conversation. Yeah, well, Atania Corday off the bench. How good was he? Oh, mate, he was superb. I mean, that's the thing. They, they needed depth at centre though, because it's been a a problem position for the Warriors for a while. Well, I don't know if mm. problem position is the right term, but they haven't had a superstar centre. They haven't had a strike yep. centre. They've had guys who can do the job, who are good defensively, but aren't necessarily going to set the, the comp on, on, on fire, you know, and now they have. Mm, and they do, yeah, for sure. Rocco Berry, like, what what a find he is. You know, playing outstanding, hit the ground last year. Now he is, 
you know, arguably the best centre in in the Warriors. They just look like a nice outlet. Like reading Webby's comments in regards to that game, they're not the perfect fit, and nor should you be in preseason. They dominated that that uh, confrontation. They got into a comfortable lead, but then they took the um, yeah the, the foot off the throat and gave the Dolphins a, a chance. They just lapped um, individually, went away from their game plan. But um, man, it got me excited. You know, a preseason game in Auckland sold out, and the Warriors. The way that they attack, it, it's it's so good to watch. It's at the line. You've got players in motion. You've got players being brave, running beautiful lines. Particularly when that Adam um, Rocco Berry went through. You go watch and watch that play. There is players in motion everywhere, and as a defender, that is hard to hard to defend. So, mate, I'm excited, and oh. we've had a few messages coming through from Jimmy. If we have to be loyal to Charles, does that mean we have to be loyal to Pompey as well? He's the only player to play every game last year. Jimmy, totally agree. Yeah, well, it's a great question, Jimmy. It's probably a question for Webby because uh, you know mm. that, that all that chance conversation is is around a conversation that he had with Webby. So it's an interesting one. I tell you, you want to be excited. The try, and I know it wasn't the prettiest try of the day, but the try that excited me the most watching it mm. was Mitchell Barnett's try, which I think was the How first was one that? because of that Capewell off uh, that that Capewell mm. carry that set that up. You know that was superb. I love that out of dummy half steps to the left, and then Barnett comes from the right blind spot and just hits the line. The Dolphins had no idea, man. They they are playing entertaining rugby league at the moment. Come on, the Waz. Yeah, uh, keep your texts coming through too. Double eight, double three. We'll get to more shortly. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. We're just about at eight o'clock, and uh, as he just saw your room on TV, um, there's a promo for the New Zealand Open playing, and there was a, a shot of the tee outside of the 15th hole. I could see the room behind it. There you go. So <laughs> you, your room's been on telly. Stop uh, spying on me, mate. <laughs> well, I, I may or may not be sneaking outside between breaks and having a wee chip on the grass. Well, I know. Well, I've seen you disappearing, mate. You didn't turn up back for one of them. But anyway, hey, listen, we want your texts on uh, your cricketing stories. Uh, cricketing stories. Golf stories and, and, and nightmares and uh, Kevin sent this one through. Chamberlain Park 20 or so years back, my wife and son who, were te- who was 10 at the time went along for a round. Long queue on the number one tee, Grant and Ryan Fox Ryan was about 16. I get on the tee, backswing goes further back than the airport and swing, ball, roll, roll, ball rolled off an inch off the tee on the colour beetroot. My son is laughing his head off. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Kevin and Ted only thanks for your text mate. Keep them rolling through. Double eight, double three. Temper bed Post text machine. Here's Araha with the news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Welcome into the show. It is SENZ Breakfast. Izzy and Ricardo with you. And coming up on the show, we're going to catch up with commentator extraordinaire from the Seventh Circuit, Ricky Swinnell. She called those games yesterday. Saw both New Zealand teams in the final of the Vancouver Sevens. We'll catch up with her shortly. Uh, we'll also have I love racing update with Bruce Sherrick and catch up with Paul Mawadi from the TAB at this hour as well. We do have a $100 Adidas Golf voucher up for grabs. The new 2 or 24 from Adidas Golf, available now at adidas.co.nz. And that is uh, our Who Am I prize, because we have got uh, clue number three for you. Despite being a Hawks Bay boy... I never donned the black and white playing NPC for Otago and Super Rugby for the Highlanders. Yeah, if you don't get that, wow, we. Mind you, there was a few from the Hawks Bay that ended up playing for Otago and the Highlanders. There was, there was, it was a bit of a road for a while, wasn't it, that connected the two? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, and, and then yeah. they put a toll bridge in at Christchurch, and they all stopped yeah. going. They all just yeah. There could be a couple. There could be a couple, but I guess the Leicester first clue gives it away. Okay, so, so yeah, I'll give you the first clue and the second clue again. I'm a former All Black that finished my career at Leicester, and I made my All Black debut against Canada. Those are the other two clues. Double eight, double three. If you know the answer. And uh, we will announce the winner before 9 o'clock. Now, we had a uh, big day in the seven circuit for New Zealand teams yesterday. Both made the final 1-1. One, one, one did not, but a person there to call it all was Ricky Swinnell. And she joins us now before she jumps on the bus for the airport. G'day, Ricky. How you doing? Morning, guys. You're good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good, good Ricky. Good. good to hear your good. voice. Lovely. Wow, wee. Jeez, you get around, <laughs> don't you? I, reme- I remember you. She's thinking, he's thinking. I know I, know. I do get around I, a wee bit. I do remember you, and you're doing a stellar <laughs> job over there at Calling the Sevens. How, how are you enjoying it? How are you finding it? It's good. It's, um, uh, well, I, I was looking forward to getting to Vancouver because I'm not a big summer person, and I was well and truly over the heat at home. So I've come to like two, de- <laughs> two degrees for the rest oh, of the no. week, and now I'm maybe regretting it a little bit. But no, it's been uh, a really good week. This tournament's awesome. Like you, uh, The stadium's amazing, brilliant setup, uh, get really well looked after by Rugby Canada and stuff like that. So it's, um, it's always a fun week. And then, yeah, from the Kiwi perspective, and there's a few of us uh, who mm. work on the tour over here, it was not a bad old weekend. Yeah, great weekend for the Kiwis, particularly our uh, Blackfern Sevens team uh, beating France in the finale. But I want to just talk about the the Sevens circuit as a whole. Gone are the days of Fiji, Scotland, Samoa, to an extent on the men's side, and even in the women's side, you know, dominated by Australia and New Zealand. Everyone is competitive. How competitive is this series from men's and women's at the moment? Oh, yeah, it's crazy, particularly in the men's. Um, mm. and, th- and that's why, like, I know at home people sort of think about, oh, you know, the All Black Sevens haven't gone that well or whatever. The- the Argentina are clearly really ahead of the pack at the moment. And, and I think even that surprises some people at just how I'm good surprised. they've got. But- <laughs> Yeah, and they are they they are brilliant. And as somebody said, they're they're probably the, this Argentina men's seven team is probably the next tier of players who aren't in that Pumas fifteen squad. These guys are the next one. I mean, a couple of them were in that World Cup squad, so they are an, an awesome team. But across the board, you know, you can be you can be South Africa who won the tournament mm. in Dubai. And this this week didn't, couldn't get out of the quarterfinals, couldn't get to the quarterfinals. Um, the women's is probably this. Uh, New Zealand and Australia still clearly vastly ahead of the other two, but you're going to have the blips like you saw with Australia this weekend. Mm. Uh, but France should always be there or thereabouts. And then there's a couple of teams that just haven't quite bridged the gap yet, but it is definitely getting closer. Although, as I say, New Zealand and Australia are still the two best teams for the women, but the men are ridiculous. It is just so competitive every single week. Ricky, we, we've seen the French rugby team in the Six Nations go off the boil. Uh, drew, drew with Italy the other day. Uh, they, they lost some bloke called Anton Dupont. Uh, the French Sevens <laughs> team uh, haven't, made, uh, haven't got out of a quarterfinal in this comp for a long time. They get some bloke called Anton Dupont make the semifinals. Just how good has he transitioned? Yeah, it turns out turns out the bloke can play. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone was sort of going, "How's he going to How's he going to transition and all of that?" And um, he only played a couple of minutes in the first game, a couple of minutes in the second game. He started the third game, 
and scored a try, his first try on the series. And then from there, it was like he took off. He's even got his first sevens yellow card, which happens quite a lot. But the <laughs> the other part of it too was just the level of interest that he created. And, you know, we probably talk about rugby not being a huge sport in Canada, but the crowd here was so knowledgeable. Every time he came up on the big screen, they're cheering for him and all of that. Um, the eyeballs, I know that it got on the, the social medias and, and stuff. It was It was absolutely amazing. And he seemed to embrace it all too like the mm. seven setup is so vastly different to, to international 15s it's such a completely different vibe where all the teams and players are sitting in the same kind of hall having their lunch or having breakfast together and stuff like that it, it's so much more loose and relaxed I guess um and he he really did get into it but um yeah I, I think um I think the guy's going to be able to play okay <laughs> a lot of people want to do it, Ricky. A lot of people think about yeah. it. And then a lot, lot of people go and try and have a crack and that doesn't quite work out. What is it about Antoine Dupont and his game that you feel like he can have a career like you're seeing already? Do you know what? I think the thing that caught a lot of us by surprise, and obviously because of the nature of the position he plays in 15, you don't always see it. But the actual turn of pace that he had a couple of times tracking back on defence, like absolute gas to cut down guys. And we know he's quick, right? Like, you know, you don't you don't you don't be as good as he is and, and play where he does with Oh, have we lo- have we lost Ricky? She's still there. That was oh, no. yeah, going right. through the tunnel. <laughs> going through the tunnel in the bus. Um but uh you'd be interested. You're there, you're there, Ricky. We lost you. You must have gone through a tunnel, did you? No, you got me there. Yeah, we got yep. you now. I think what happened, I've gone off the wire. I've got caught between the hotel Wi-Fi and the other way, so I'll just stand by the door. Um, yeah, like just he is absolutely really, really quick. And then, of course, mm. the vision he has. So if you're France and you're setting a scrum on the 22 with a big old blindside and sevens, that is just going to be DuPont Day all the time. And so, um, yeah, that transition was amazing. And, yeah, you're right, Izzy, like a lot of guys and girls mm. t- think about doing it but whether they actually can and cut it. And hopefully this week in LA, we're going to see whether Michael Hooper's the next one of that. He's mm. due to play for Australia this weekend coming um, and see how his transition is. Yeah, it's, it's something. I, I, was, I had a crack in 2008, and that was the reason I played 15s. It was too hard. I, was, I, was, I stuffed that titch. I'm sick of your bloody fitness testing. Um, but, mate, let's just flip back to our, to our very own, the, the women's side. They uh, they dominated. They had a hell of a lot of injuries, too, so they had to, they had to yeah. dig deep. But this team, Portia Woodman, how special is she? Oh, she was brilliant in the final mm. in particular. And I, I think all of us could probably say Porsche maybe hasn't been at her best this season, and the New Zealand team hasn't. They yeah. just haven't really fired. They just look clunky a bit at times this season, and uh, they've just they simplified things a little bit this weekend, and it, and it really made a difference. The work was being done in the middle, and then what, when that happens, you're going to see Portia Woodman Wycliffe scoring on one side and Michaela Blythe scoring on the other, um, and that's exactly what happened. They were both like top of the try try scoring charts. I think Michaela ended up with 11 or 12 for the weekend, which is a you know that's a, a lot of try scoring, and mm-hmm. and yeah, so everything was just simplified. It looked a whole lot better. They looked a whole lot more relaxed. And as you say, like that's a team that had Kelly Brazier, Sarah Hidani, Stacey Walker, and Elena mm. Saeli sitting at home this weekend as well. So really promising um, for the women's team. You thinking of Anton Dupont? I get a sense that Georgia Miller's got the same effect. Is, oh. is it right? Like, is she a rock star oh, on the Seventh Circuit? <laughs> she is like, I mean, I lucky kind of seen her playing from when she was 15, 16. I mean, she still only just turned 20. 
Um, mm. But she's got this way about her and uh, this ease, that, the, the time that she has to she do angry? everything. No, well, I always say she's just got a little bit of mongrel. She's got a little bit of um, timaru to her, which yeah. is awesome. And I try and explain that, explain what a bit of South Island Kiwi mongrel <laughs> is to an international audience. I'm like, that's kind of it. But she's a such, she's a total sweetie. Like she's, yeah. you know, she's 19, 20 years old, living this best life, and she's a hell of a footy player. Um, she's just, and she, in the big games is when she really starts to shine, and that's what you want, right? You want to see, um, you, you when you need big time players she's doing that time and again so um yeah she's got just a huge future ahead of her oh, i love watching her. she's my favorite player man she's just determined uh, and the way that she can spy a gap and show some speed it's uh it's absolutely amazing yeah. we want entertainers on the park um from a new zealand men's side uh obviously making to the final just fell short up against a formidable argentinian side that is mm. on a on a in a class of its own are you are you concerned? Are you happy with where this men's team's at leading up to Paris? I, like, look, they, they turned a bit of a corner this weekend as well because they're probably a bit like the women's just haven't really fired things. Have been they have had another whole raft of injuries again. Like mm. They've got a lot of guys sitting at home, and they have had that all the time. But that, that, that things just started to look a little better. They started that final brilliantly well against Argentina. Um, and a couple of mistakes, though, and, and Argentina will kill you. They're just too good at the moment. So, mm. um, yeah, I think much more promising signs. Still a lot of work to do. Um, but as we always say, kind of like, is anyone going to matter what they did now? Um, you know, if they win a, win a gold medal or, or whatever, it's all going to kind of count in Paris at the moment. But, yeah, things certainly started to look a lot better. Ricky, another player that we should talk about because, you know, we've given a lot of uh, love to Anton Dupont is Matthias uh, Asadchuk from uh, the Argentinian team who uh, he just looked at. So has that bloke got Teflon hips or what? Like nobody can see, <laughs> oh, no. seem to be able to hold on to him. <laughs> he looks like, um, I was thinking, I was watching because he's obviously gone with the peroxide blonde too. He looks like Ryan Gosling. He looks like Ken in the Barbie <laughs> movie with the blonde. Um, I think Matthias Asadchuk's really underrated. Um, we look so much at Argentina. You look at Mineta. Um, Isgro, Gonzalez, and then like the veteran Gaston Revol, um, that you you forget about a guy like Asatsuk, and he had some injuries last season and is coming back really strongly now. Um, and and yeah, I think they've just got such a well-rounded team, this Ar- the Argentinian side. So um, yeah, they yeah, and he's such a key part of it. Now I have to go and get on a bus, so I might lose you. We can keep trying um, hey, as Ricky. I walk away from the Wi-Fi. Ricky, you're you're a busy wahine, mate. We appreciate you coming on our show. You you've enlightened us. You've you've got us excited about. I don't know how why I'm getting excited about Anton Dupont, but anyway, we'll support him and see how he goes. But thank thank you so much. We appreciate. It. We'll let you go, mate. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Yeah, we'll do. There you go, Ricky Swinell with us. Uh, one to one to this parish uh, now uh, mm. traveling the world on the on the World Seven circuit. But uh, uh, great to hear Ricky doing her thing as well. She's going to be at the Olympics too. She's doing a great job, man. She's one of the um, one of the leading female commentators around the globe, and uh, she she actually was the first female commentator to commentate a test match. Um, I think it was last year. So she's she's doing a great job. She does this the fantastic rugby mind, and she's got a perfect view of what's unfolding in the seven scene. You know, Argentina. When you rattle off a couple of names, I, I don't know them personally and I don't, you know, have a real understanding of who they are, what they're about. But I remember this video that was posted and this is a horrible video, but there was this team that was on the beach 
and they all had their shirts off. And it was the Argentina um, Sevens team. And I was like, holy, these blokes are stacked. So, um, mate, it's it's crazy to think that Fiji are sitting third in the mm. standings. Ben Gollings, the great uh, England Sevens player, is struggling to ignite the Sevens team. And now we're seeing the French, you know, the, the Kiwis, the Argentinas, the Irelands. You know, what, what's happened to the South Africans couldn't even get out and out of pool stage in the quarterfinals. So, um, and, and I'm, uh, yeah, look, there's a question, there's one here from Dan that's come through, and I was going to ask a question before she shot off about the current state of the men's team. Yes, we made a final, but we weren't good enough to get the result. We are an ageing side. There is, there is a lot of, um, you know, experience in that squad. But what does the next picking look like mm. for the Sevens team? Are we unearthing some young players that are going to burst onto the scene? Like the days of unearthing a Jonah Lomu, an Eric Rush, a Carl Tanana, you know? Are we seeing that? It was a stepping stone for higher honours. But now this, the way that the contracts are set up, Rick Dog, like they are set up in a, in a way that the Sevens is your sole passion and your job. And I love it, whereas back in the day, it was an opportunity for you to go play sevens to better you to go and play 15s, Super Rugby, All Blacks, potentially if you're good enough. Um, so, yeah, look, a little bit of concerned about the men's team. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, that's and Dan's text is talking about the mm. lack of pace, right? He said back in the day, we had, we were a middle team with Zinni and Buck going mm. up the middle, but you need pace to get the gong. It's a, We've got an old-fashioned way of playing. We need pace, and you got Roderick Solo that, that plays uh, for the men's side, but we don't have that winger that's got out-and-out um, pace. I remember Vic DeVito when I was playing, um, you know, out there, absolute speed demon. You know, Nigel Hunt. Um, you had playmakers, you had workhorses, DJ Fords, Ed Coker, Stephen Yates in the middle of the park, but then you had talent and X-Factor out wide. And, um, yeah, like maybe we are just lacking a little bit of pace at the moment. Mm. Yeah, keep your texts rolling through. Double eight, double three, love to hear from you. Uh, I've also had a few people talking about the crowds of the Warriors this season. In the pre-season, um, they've been huge, sold out at Christchurch. It was supposedly a sellout in Auckland, although there were a few seats around. But uh, apparently they've been getting nobody over in Australia, so it's absolutely on fire for the Warriors here. Everyone is well and truly on the bandwagon. We want your golf stories as well. Double eight, double three. New Zealand Open this weekend. Tell us your nightmare on the golf course. I've got a beauty for your neck. So stay tuned for that. You are listening to Izzy and Ricardo on SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. 0800-150-811-8833 is how you get hold of us. That is the te- Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable smart bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can sleep blissfully. And uh, I promised you a great text on the golf uh, nightmares. This one, uh, no name on it, unfortunately, but it is a great story. Thompson Park Course Takapuna. It had a big sign for your tee off number on the first tee. Heaps of people waiting to tee off. It's my turn. Just as I'm getting ready, my mate says really loudly, hey, everybody, watch this guy. He can really smash it. To which I tee off. The ball hits the big sign and ricochets back into the clubhouse window. Good one. My mate's rolling on the ground, laughing. (laughs) Oh, absolutely stitched up. 
absolutely stitched up. I want to hear from you, double eight, double three, on your best uh, stories from the golf course as well. Uh, Izzy, talk about being uh, put on a uh, uh, put on a platter uh, for the uh, for the crowd eh? that is sitting there waiting to tee off, and then absolutely smashing the clubhouse window with that ricochet. Oh, I cut out for a little bit there. I was panicking. <laughs> <laughs> I was staring at you going, I, I'm not working. I'm not working. Um, hell of a story. Hell of a story. Don't you just hate that? Watch this guy. He can really hit a ball, and you are just buckling at the knees. I've got a great story. You know, like family competition, family golf events, they are very competitive. Etiquette goes out the door. Well, I remember this moment. I was playing in... And Gisborne, and we had the family there, and you know, Dad thought he'd come along, and Dad thinks he's a good golfer. Well, he used to be back in the day. I mean, he's got no chance of getting the title. Anyway, I'm standing over the ball, and I'm getting into my routine, and as soon as I go to go back back to my backswing, all I hear is this. <laughs> so mid backswing, the old fella does a little squeezy fart out of his bum, and he does this little fart just when I'm coming through, and he catches me, and I'm like. Halfway through it, I'm just pissing myself with laughter and spray it into the Gisborne airport. And uh, and I was like, Dad, you can't do that. He's like, mate, if anything goes on family family golf events, etiquette out the door, anything to try and get their family trophy, Dad farts mid-backswing. Oh, that is outstanding. Mm. If you can control that, that is great. Because, mate, I'm not saying anything. It's nature taking its course. What can I do? <laughs> What can I do? Oh, oh, what you can do is don't fart or don't make any noise. Oh man, I love, I love it. Absolutely love it. Good banter, good golf stories, and uh, that's a doozy. That yep. is a doozy. Has anyone hit, hit like anything bad? Um, I've hit a few houses. Have I've you? hit a few roofs. Um, I've what have I done? I've hit a golf ball at Pegasus, and I drove the green, and I get up there, and there's people on the green. I didn't think I could drive it. And I get up there and I'm like, oh no. And who is it? It's Paddles to Richard Headley. And I'm walking up and he's fuming. <laughs> he's fuming. And I get up there and he goes, oh, you're lucky it's you. I was going to rip you to shreds. I said, sorry, mate. He goes, nah, good drive. And drove off. <laughs> <laughs> so I nearly hit Paddles on the golf course at wow. Pegasus. Yeah, no, there's a story. There's a story. No, my, your, your golf stories are way more exciting than mine. Mine usually. Uh, <laughs> It's like uh, playing in an Ambrose tournament at, at Pakaranga Golf Course, and uh, there's a par three, and I'm like, they've got my drives aren't great, so I'm like, the par three, they're going to take my tee, right? They're going to take my tee. They have to because you got to take a few of mine, and uh, I put it at a 45 degree angle right across the uh, a t- uh, four lane road and into somebody's garage door. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, take <laughs> off this way, and it goes straight right, 45 degree angle. Bang. It was like, oh, yeah, not taking that then. I'll probably give up if I was you, Rick. I have given up, mate. I gave up years ago. I, I even I, I sold my clubs, and then my old man gave me his old clubs because he bought some. And okay. I think I had a couple of rounds with them, and then they just sat gathering dust. And then a dude that I knew was taking up golf but didn't want to, you know, he wanted to just get into it, didn't want to spend so much money. Mm. I was like, mate, have these. I'm, they never get used. You can just, just have maybe, them. Maybe you could have a word to Anton Leonard Brown. He needs to give up golf. <laughs> I said to him, if I ever lose to him, I would give up golf. And I'm yet to lose to him. And I always also said, if I ever shot 100, I'd give up golf. Well, I didn't do that. I shot 100 at the Charles Tour in Christchurch. 100, in fact, right on the dot. Yeah. And I said, nah, this is a professional event. doesn't count. <laughs> so, uh, 
Did you when you got back to the uh, when you're on the 18th green and you took, got the hundred? Did you raise your bat like your club like they do at, at uh, cricket when they get a ton? No, I was so embarrassed, and mm. I was in the, I was in the changing rooms. And if you know golf, Luke Toomey, he's a very mm. um, good golfer for in New Zealand rolling round, and I. He said, oh, I had a tough day, did you? And I said, yeah, had a tough day. And he said, oh, don't worry about it, bro. You know what? Yeah, i got so much respect for you. I would never go out there and jump on a rugby field and have a crack. Like, at least you're having a crack. He gave me a little bit of confidence, but I was so deflated. I was like, I'm an embarrassment. I don't even deserve a spot. Some young kid's missed out because I've taken an off shot 100. Oh, a lot of emotions going through the brain. But anyway, that's enough of a golf chat. Oh, let's hope it doesn't eventually. The tea times have come out. I'll give you an update Ooh. when I'm teeing off All right. in the next couple of days. Yeah, sweet. Sounds good. Uh, we'll uh, update uh, what the field might look like and uh, who the favourite is with Paulie Mawadi. He is coming up not too far away right now, though. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. A few more texts through on double eight double three. Hi, mate. Had a bloke in the calf after teeing off at Clark's Beach. He was on the other <laughs> hole. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you can cause some damage with those little golf balls, honestly. Oh, oh poor mate. bugger. He and, would uh, have been sore. Oh, I reckon. All right, in the calf, just before you, you're halfway through the round, probably no cart, trying to walk it, limp it. Um, morning, boys. I played Kinlock last week. A tough day out. Lost a few balls, Ooh, scored well over balls. 100. So I had to raise the putter on the 18th in front of a full clubhouse. But what an awesome uh, course to play. That is from Richard. Thanks that for your text, Richard. a hard course. Like, you are blind shots or every time. Like, you don't know where the hole If you never played it, you don't know where the holes are. It's, man, good luck. It's, it's, that's, that's when you you need to use the force. Like, the force you know, with you? Yeah, yeah, made the force be with you, you know? Like, you know, Luke Skywalker put the helmet on so he couldn't, couldn't see. You just had to trust your instincts. Yeah, well, speaking of force, does yeah. anyone in, in the TAB have any force? Because I can't find any New Zealand golf open. Oh, can you? Paul Mawari, uh, good mm. morning to you. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Uh, bet safely, R18. Uh, when can we expect a field for the golf open? These aren't the odds you're looking for, okay? <laughs> Come on, mate. Well, Give us something. It's, it's not the fact that they're not the odds we're looking for. It's that we can't find the odds we're looking for. I'm filming some content for the TAB today, and I'm thinking, well, they got an impact. they got something going on here, but ooh, must be in the I final believe pit. they will be out later today, guys. Don't okay. worry about it. The boys are working hard, getting, uh, getting that market all sorted for you guys. Mm, okay. All right, yeah. boy. All right, mate. All right, All right, okay. All right. No, that's good. That's good. Now, Punter is staying next door to Izzy, so hopefully we're going to have him on the show tomorrow, mate. How's the market looking for that first test? Yeah, well, uh, it's looking pretty good for the Australians, to be fair. They're fifty-five favourites to win the first test, which, of course, starts uh, here in Wellington, uh, down at the Basin Reserve on Thursday. First ball to be bowled, I think, around 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, the Black Caps, they're $4.30 head-to-head. The draws at $4.70. Um, forecast, looks like we've got at least three very good days of weather um, with maybe uh, maybe a little bit of precipitation on days four and five, but um, <laughs> may not take that long. Anyway, there has been, <laughs> there's been money. <laughs> There's been money for the Australians at 155. They've been very, very popular, and why not? After the way they uh, took care of the Black Caps in that T20 series, um, three 0 whitewash. Um, I know the Test team is significantly different to the uh, T20 team, but 
I think that sort of confidence just carries over from team to team. So you can understand why punters are jumping on Australia at a dollar fifty-five. Um, they look very, very good, uh, certainly in games two and three in that T20 series. So yeah, money on Australia at a dollar fifty-five. Yeah, as you said, the teams do look different, Paulie. I would actually suggest our attack looks worse in the Test than it does in the T20 because there's no Ferguson or Milne. Mm. Yeah, and that's it. That they're the sort of they bring a wee bit of difference, a wee bit of speed, a bit of um, just the sort of I guess instead of the attack looking very similar, um, they added that little bit of extra um, if they were there. So yeah, it could be a tough, tough uh, five days for the Black Caps down here in Wellington. Now, Paulie, I know that you guys have got lots going on uh, on the website. You've got the Advantage Line, your, your, your league podcasting, you've got a tipping comp there, you've got a Super Rugby tipping comp as well. How has that been embraced? And are you noticing a, a knock-on from the people that are doing the tipping to punting on their tips? Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah, they're um, certainly there. And if you want to be a part of that Super Rugby tipping comp, um, you can head to the website because it doesn't start until round two, which is this weekend. So you haven't missed out on anything in terms of uh, the tipping comp for the Super Rugby uh, on the TAB website. Just see there, there are a couple of banners that'll take you directly to the link that you need to get on. Um, But yeah, both comps, um, we've seen a number of punters jump on and I'm guessing that not only will they be putting a few dollars down on their multis, but um, they'll be... uh, those bets will be reflected in their picks and the tipping comps. So, and there are a few, there's some bonus bets at the end of the season up for grabs for punters to uh, have a go at. So, yep, um, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, uh, Pity Weepu, he's having a bit of a go at the uh, Super Rugby tipping comp, and uh, Blake Ashford, he's having a go at the uh, NRL tipping comp. So. Uh, you can match yourselves up against those two just see how well you go. Yeah, well, Izzy went pretty well first week of Super Rugby tipping comp just quietly, so uh, I... Didn't made... give me an opportunity. No, yeah, didn't okay. get in there. Nice. Um, now, the NBA, mate, um, today, uh, I see that the Miami Heat are at 3.25 against the Kings, are $1.33. Uh, how much of that is because Jimmy Butler is suspended? Yeah, I think that's all because Jimmy Butler's suspended. Yeah, the Heat, seven and a half point underdogs against the Kings today. Um, that hasn't scared punters off, though. They're happy to take the 325 about the Miami Heat head to head. And they're also taking the plus seven and a half as well at $1.87. Uh, so Miami Heat, even without Butler, still popular with punters. Uh, there's also a number of power plays that the uh, bookies have put out for punters to get uh, stuck into. And I can tell you that uh, the Jaron Jackson and Bam Adebayo to combine for 45 or more points and 18 or more rebounds at 350 is one of the most popular power plays uh, for today there. There's also a boosted uh, option that the boys have put out. Uh, Halliburton to be have 15 or more assists and Brunson to have 30 or more, point, 30 or more points. It's been boosted from 550 out to 650. That's seen a bit of action as well. Yeah, nice, Paulie. Uh, anything else exciting you today, mate, that we should know about? Um, oh, don't forget the NRL Futures Builder, Futures Multi-Builder that the boys have got there, where you can take um, a number of teams to either make the top four, top eight, or even one of them to win the grand final. So if you think you can see the future of the NRL right through to the playoffs, um, that NRL multi 
uh, Futures Multi-Builder is something for you to have a go at. So, uh, And it has been popular already with punters. So get on before the boys close it. And I'm guessing they'll probably close it halfway through the season when um, some of the teams have no chance at all. All right, uh, Paulie, before we let you go, we got so many golf stories coming in. One's coming and said I got hit by a golf ball from behind, hit the side of my head, knocked my glasses off my head. Part the last four holes after that, though. That was from Dave. Surely you've got a golf story. I hardly play these days to be oh, fair. No. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Master's Mate, degree got... Mawadi because he's always on a course. Yeah. That's what they call you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a green jacket at home as well, just just not the real one. Surely, no, nah, nothing. Yeah, well, I'm I'm about to head off on uh, on a four day tournament uh, on Wednesday. So. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a story for you next week. All right, we'll look forward to it, Paulie. Go oh well, brother. Goodness. That's why the odds Very good boy. golf aren't done. Thank you. Yeah. See ya. Go check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. It is 20 away from nine when we come back. Bruce Sherrick joins us for Love Racing. Another text through uh, from Goose here on his golfing stories. Played in Cairo. Pyramids with a backdrop. All the fairways were islands and no rough because they were all waterways. I went through a box of balls on the front nine, so I just drove the back nine for the views. Yeah, you get a bit like that, don't you? Especially when you lose one, it's like, buy 10 bucks. Yeah. Buy 10 bucks, $10 a ball. You're like, oh, see you later. It's, uh, it's always difficult. Um, but uh, we've got some love racing we're going to get into. Yeah, we do, because uh, love racing.nz is your home of thoroughbred racing, and Bruce Sherrick joins us yeah. Uh from NZTR. G'day, Bruce. How you doing, mate? Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Speaking of thoroughbreds, how good's RTS looking on his return back to league? Yeah, it looks like he's never really been away, doesn't it? He's uh, he certainly adopted pretty well back to the game that he loves, so good to see. If anyone knows, Bruce Sherrick knows. So uh, we'll, we'll take a lot <laughs> from that uh, little compliment there, Bruce. But today's a big day in New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. Uh, the slot race that was announced on January 22nd. Now we're at a day where the auction is going to take place. Starting price of 450000 So you've got to have a big wallet, mate. Are you expecting to slots to, to gather more than that? Yeah, yeah, we are. Look, I think the the short version is, and, and just to be clear, the 450 spread over three years, um, and the commercial terms that line up underneath uh, the slots are really attractive. And by that I mean, you know, as a minimum in year one, it's a $125,000 outlay. But even if you run last in that race, you pick up 100000 Um So the commercial terms are attractive. Clearly, if you manage to um, get the victory, you're up for about one8 So... Um, yeah, we do expect them to go above the minimums. There's yeah. about last count uh, early 30s registered bidders. That was 24 hours ago. There could be some late ones coming in today. So, yeah, look, there's a lot of activity and a lot of interest, and not only through New Zealand, but um, you know, internationally, particularly Australia and even Singapore. So, yeah, heartening, very heartening to see. Yeah, it's transformed into an incredible level of interest, like you said, New Zealand, Australia, and beyond our borders. 30 registered bidders some heavy hitters are going to be at this auction who are we expecting yeah look there are some heavy hitters uh you know a lot of our main breeders are all registered a lot of our main trainers are all registered um some independent owners uh, are registered 
um, and some well-known names across the ditch uh, are also registered, the likes of Gay Waterhouse, etc. So, you know, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're stoked. We really think that the rationale for the auction was one, to give everybody a fair chance um, because we certainly didn't want the political ammunition being fired at us, fired at us around who got the preferred uh, options. So, um, look, we think it's worked well and probably akin to an IPL-type auction. So, yeah, let the bidding begin and see where we end up. Yeah, can you run us through how tonight will look? And it's live on Trackside 1 uh, from 7pm yes. tonight. So can yep. you take us through, like, is it going to exactly be like the IPL? People sitting in the room going toe-to-toe. Yeah, look, the short version is there are nine slots that are up for auction. Um, and I think it's well known that there are four clubs who uh, have brought in at the minimums, uh, which are Race Group, which is Trentham and Awapuni, uh, CJC Canterbury, ATR Auckland and WTR Waikato. And the rationale for that is that they are hosting the qualifying events for the bonus. So there's a million dollar bonus attached to the slot. And they're the clubs that are hosting those. And we want it to be a national thing and we want them to uh, promote the race and also give people an incentive to get to their tracks to qualify uh, for the bonus. So look, in short term, Izzy, uh, the the reality is that auction uh, slot number one will come up and the bidding will begin and the minimum, you know, is 450. And if I was going to be an auctioneer, I'd say do I hear 460, do I hear 470? And that's mm. basically how it will run until it's knocked down. Mm. Um, and then we'll introduce the next. Are you having to have a video conference link set up to India for one uh, England cricket coach to be able to bid? <laughs> well, there is people coming in remotely. I do know that much. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if it's in, the, in India, but um, we, we definitely are going, uh, going global with the activity. Hey, uh, Bruce, just before we let you go, the last year we spoke about track conditions, cancellations. We haven't seen that lately, so you must be relatively happy with the situation in terms of racing around the country? Yeah, look, to be, to be honest, it's improved, but yeah. it's nowhere near where we need it to be. I mean, mm. you know, I'll be honest, uh, we we had Caraca, and that was fantastic, uh, and everything was going swimmingly, and then we had two abandonments, partial, uh, one at Hawke's mm. Bay and one at Trentham. Um, and look, we have to get to a place where weather will beat us every day. Okay, we we can't negate that. But what we should be able to, able to negate is when we have to partially uh, abandon the meeting because the track is not suitable. We're getting better, but we're not where we need to be. Um, so yeah, thanks for the compliment, but we're nowhere nowhere near happy just yet. Mm. All, right. All right, Bruce. Well, uh, listen, mate. Keep up the good work. Uh, improvements have been made, and it'll only get better. And good luck for tonight. I hope it goes well. Yeah, cheers, Bruce. Thanks, guys, and thanks for your support again. Appreciate no problem. It. Anytime. Love Racing. NZ for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. It is How long we got? Two minutes. Okay. So there's the Derby draw tonight. Mm-hmm. The New Zealand Derby takes place this weekend. Orcestral is a hot favourite, $1.40. you got interlinked Ascend to Throne. Ascend to Throne, remember I tipped that out a while mm-hmm. back? Well, that's in the race. Solidify first innings, I tipped that out last week. That's in the race. So there's some good horses racing for NZ Derby. And uh, the barrier draw will take place tonight alongside that auction. So it's a big night for racing in New Zealand. Yeah, massive night, massive night. Stay tuned because uh, Ian Smith will have something to say about that and probably a golf story for us too. we catch up with him next.
Couple of minutes away from nine o'clock. Morning, lads. I was playing the Green Acres course in Invercargill, teed off on the 18th and into a bunker. We were playing in a local tournament. Clubhouse was full. A lot of the old boys were having a beer watching out the window, looking onto the 18th green. I stepped up to the bunker to chip into the green. I hit it so cleanly it flew out of the bunker at full noise and slammed into the window where the old boys were watching. They all got a huge fright and fell over. Safe to say it was my shout in the clubhouse. That is Cam and Invercargill. Thanks very much uh, for your text. Uh, And uh, our Who Am I winner, uh, the answer, of course, is uh, Josh Cronfeld. That was the answer. Daryl, congratulations to you. $100 Adidas voucher. Mm. Ian Smith joins us now. Smithy, we've been talking golfing nightmares. I'm sure that you've uh, got your fair share of interesting stories. Like, is he nearly hitting paddles on the golf course? That's a disgrace. That's like hitting, yeah. um, you know, that's hitting a walking monument to, to life <laughs> in New Zealand. So, uh, that's, that's not good. That is not, I've found that's it. That's not good. I, I didn't know my power, Smithy, so I drove the green and... Don't know if you've ever got close to driving the green, but I drove this green once and uh, Paddles was on Most par threes. Most par threes, I manage it. (laughs) Touche, brother. (laughs) So I understand you've got a bit of a a rugby league legend on the show today, uh, Corey Parker, making an appearance. We have. uh, He's doing the breakfast show with Ian Healy in Brisbane. So normally it's Paddy Welch, but uh, they've got Corey Parker in doing it this weekend. So I think uh, a really good opportunity to talk Broncos with him. They look like they're pretty impressive to start off the season. And, uh, of course, the uh, season starts uh, for them in Las Vegas uh, when uh, they have uh, quite an interesting game against the Roosters as part of that double header in Las Vegas. So, yeah, we'll be talking to Corey Parker about that. Uh, he was about the cricket test, so that's part of it as well. And we're going to uh, start off by talking to Gavin Casey out of uh, – he's a rugby journalist for the 42 uh, – about the Six Nations, what's happening on that yeah. side of the world. Uh, good stuff, Smithy. Have a great show. Make sure you uh, ask Corey about the dust-up uh, between uh, the two captains uh, from the Broncos and if they've, they've resolved that yet or we might see some more headlines out of, uh, out of Vegas. Go well, mate. Have a great show. Cool. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Cheers. We'll be back again tomorrow, hopefully, with uh, Ricky Punter-Ponting on with Izzy mm. from about 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. All right, here's Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota.